Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, we have with us Dr. Peter Wishney. He is a family foot and ankle specialist from Piscataway, New Jersey, who is trained in New York, California, and Hadassah University Medical Center, Jerusalem, Israel. He has two busy practices and lectures regularly on forefoot trauma, exercise, injury prevention and treatment, the diabetic foot, the paperless office, leadership, and practice management. Despite his busy schedule, Dr. Wishney manages to publish many articles, which can be seen in the Journal of Foot Surgery and the Journal of the American Podiatric Medical Association. He has also written two books. The first is Running a Successful Medical Practice Should Be a Dream, Not a Nightmare. And the latest is The Podiatry Business Solution. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a real honor. Well, other than people who have foot fetishes, what brings you to specialize in feet? I don't think that's something that a lot of people think about doing. Uh, that's, that's about right. No, I don't have a foot fetish. and That's always a, uh, a misconception. But I've always wanted to be a, a doctor since I was nine years old because I was a severe asthmatic. And every time I went to the doctor, I started feeling better, and that made me want to help other people. So I've always wanted to be a pediatrician for a long, long time. But then during college, I realized that pediatricians worked really crazy hours at the time. And, you know, even though it's rewarding to help children, I love kids, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's harder to treat the parents of the children. And you get called in the middle of the night, and then I went to my guidance counselor, and I love sports medicine. I love instant gratification, and that's the greatest thing about podiatry is that people come in, if they're in pain, and then all of a sudden, um, I get them out of pain almost all the time immediately, and that's a, just a great instant gratification. Plus, I do surgery on the foot. I can do anything on the foot and ankle, so all kinds of specialties, dermatology, neurology, all on the foot and ankle, so it's um, never boring. Fantastic. How from there did you get into consulting? So it's a great question. And um, when I uh, first started, I never worked for anyone. I did my residency, a couple of years of my residency after school. And then I purchased a practice in Piscataway, New Jersey. And day one, I didn't know what I was doing. I was losing money like $7,500 a month. The patients that I thought would be there when I purchased the practice were not there because the doctor before me was discharging these patients and just because he didn't want to get sued and got sued many, many times. So he didn't want me to, uh, you know, see things that maybe I shouldn't see. And so he just discharged the patients. So the practice was really, really slow. I did not know what to do. I took like a, uh, a business course for about a week, business courses, I should say. 
And I learned how to run my practice. And after all these years, I realized that a lot, a lot of people out there, a lot of doctors out there are in the same boat. And it's just a way for me to give back to the, to the community. And I love, love teaching. I love helping. I love the business aspect just as much as I love the medicine aspect. Well, it certainly sounds like you did go through a nightmare. <laughs> kind of what everybody is going through now. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's tough out there. But remember, life is cyclical. When we think something is going bad, we never could see the end of the, uh, you know, end, end of it. We uh, always think it's going to be bad for a long, long time. And the opposite is true, too. When things are going well, we think it's always going to be good. And it's never the case. And that's a great book called Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson. Because the cheese constantly gets moved. And you have to stay on top of the game. Now, now it's just really a setback. could be a major setback for businesses. But you know what? There's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to get better. There have been pandemics before. There have been crashes in the stock market. And people have survived this. You will not only survive, you will thrive. And it's all about mindset. You have the proper mindset and knowing that things are going to go well. When you are positive, you become more creative. And when you're more creative, you will find solutions to all of your problems, and I guarantee you it will get better and better. I do love that book, by the way. I'm glad that you mentioned it. So for anybody that hasn't read Who Moved My Cheese, it's definitely worth looking at. What are the biggest problems for a doctor owner in a practice that you see? The biggest problems with doctor owners, and um, also I think all business owners, small, large, what have you, is uh, people, is staff. You need good staff. You know, without adequate staff, team members, you're not going to thrive. You can't do everything yourself. But the problem is that we don't know how to train our staff or we don't have a, a great practice manager or that can train the staff. Or even if they're great, we just let them do everything and we don't know what's going on. And that's the case for most doctors. But having great staff is really, really important. And also learning how to, you know, delegate. You know, doctors are perfectionists. You know, if you're going to go into the operating room, you want to make sure everything's perfect, and that's great. But when it comes to getting something done, done is better than, you know, perfect sometimes. And as long as you get the result, sometimes it does not matter how you get there, as long as you get that result. So if you can delegate your tasks better, Trust your staff, which comes from you trust, but that starts with training and then retraining them. I got this from Walt Disney. Disney trains their staff members every single month. So even if they've been there 20 years, they get retrained every single month because people will start forgetting things or do things on their, or do things their own way. So they have to be retrained. So you train them, retrain them, test them, and then make them accountable for what their, what their job is supposed to do. And that you can just then have plenty of time for yourself. So that's the biggest problem. Doctors don't know how to delegate. They don't know how to handle their staff. I guess it's not easy wearing a tail and ears. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's not. But joking aside, I know that when I had my medical practice, having my staff be able to voice their opinions about how things should be done, especially 
in view of the jobs that they themselves were doing and validate it really went a long way. You know, they would, you know, go that extra mile for you when they knew that they could tell you anything and uh, feel secure about telling you and that you would validate what they were doing so that it really is a give and take in terms of leadership. It's not a question of dictatorship. Leadership, as you know, is all about communication between the two of you, or three of you, four of you, whoever's in the office. Um, Now, I read that you're a John Maxwell certified leadership coach. That seemed rather unusual to me as a doctor. You know, could you tell me about that and how that's helped you in running your practice? Sure. So when I first started my practice, I couldn't keep a staff member to save my life and did not know why. And I learned that, you know, that not everyone thinks the way I think, the way I think. And my father was a business person. He worked in the garment center in New York City. He was the vice president of his company. And the garment center is a whole different breed. There's constant stress. Things need to be delivered at certain times. You're dealing with multiple people and you're dealing with, my father dealt with uh, Louis Vuitton and big organizations like that. And so the way he got things done was just by yelling at people and cursing at them. But that was sort of the norm in that industry, high, high stress level. And when I was a kid, I guess I (laughs) took that as a way maybe to uh, how to handle staff. I didn't realize it, but I didn't curse at anyone. But I must say that, you know, I was like, this is what I, am, I want you to do. Just do it and, and, and don't, don't answer me back, you know, kind of attitude, like more of a dictatorship. Realize that when you can't keep a staff member, it's not the staff that's the problem. It's you. So I don't like problems, so I try to find solutions immediately. And I studied and studied leadership books. And the number one leadership teacher, coach, is John Maxwell. He's the number one. He's the New York Times bestseller in the category of leadership. And I read a lot of his books. And then years later, many years later, he has like these leadership classes and coaching classes. And I took them. And I thought, because that is really for any business owner, doctors, you need to understand that the level of your business, the success of your business is totally dependent on your leadership abilities. The better leader you are, the more successful your practice is. Because when you're a leader, all a leader leadership is is influence. You're influencing other people to follow, not just to follow, but to be worked as a team to make decisions based on your mission and your vision and where you all agree upon. Like we have a mission in our practice. That came about from having a staff meeting and deciding what our mission should be. Not just by me the owner, podiatrist, slash ex-dictator. It's by having a team deciding what we should be and who should we be. And then we all can agree upon it and work towards that mission. And when you have that, when you have a team working towards a specific purpose and mission, they're going to get the job done because, you know what, staff, is they're not coming in just for a paycheck. They're coming in to be heard, especially millennials today. What they want more than anything is to be heard. And so get the ideas implemented into the business because they really care. They, more, they care more than you think. I agree. And also your whole practice really comes down to 
the front desk almost as much or more than you because they are the first people that your patients are seeing. And if they get a very poor taste in their mouth from the interactions with those at the front desk, it's going to reflect poorly on you. True. Absolutely true. And it's the hardest job in your practice. I will tell you, running the front desk is not an easy job. And the things the patients don't tell you, they will tell this front staff. Absolutely. How do you see the future of private practice? I think the future is really, really bright. And I'm going to tell you why. I know some doctors are ready to sell their practice to big companies. And I think private equity firms, private equity firms are fine for a guy that's or a gal, um, a, a person that's older, that's ready to retire. Okay, that's maybe only work for a couple more years and don't want to deal with anything else, just go in, treat patients, and leave. But for the new practitioner, and you're going to be really in trouble if you work with those equity firms because their job is to make money. So they're going to take you over, and then about five years or so, they're going to sell some other person and then you might not have a job but regarding your private practice you know what who rules the game patients rule the game not insurance companies because patients are shoppers and and when you have a choice of restaurants and uh, even and can multiple cans of corn to purchase at a supermarket you're making a choice and what happens today is Patient goes to their primary care doctor, recommends maybe an, a specialist. The first thing a patient will do is go on the phone and look up that doctor and see, hey, they didn't get great reviews. They're not that close to their practice. Let me see. Oh, Dr. Smith is like, is like got 40 uh, five-star reviews. Why? I'm going to go there. And patients dictate that. So that's why your website and your Reviews are so important today, but that's what patients are going to do. If you can provide amazing service in any industry, amazing service, and you have a lot of reviews, that patient is most likely going to go to you. And it's as simple as that. So, plus, these private equity firms are here for a short period of time. And before you know it, it's private practice is still going to be bright and live and well. Do you do anything actively to get your patients to reach you and send in reviews from the various social sites? Yeah, so we have a, I have a marketing person, and as soon as a new patient comes in and leaves, uh, they'll have an email with a specific uh, link to review us. And um, just by doing that enough, uh, patients definitely will do so. But it all begins with the very first phone call the patient makes calling your office and then having an amazing front desk person who welcomes the patient. You know, I call doctors as a patient. They say, what's your insurance? That's the first thing you ask me is what's my insurance. We don't ask that right away. We get to know them. It's about building relationships. And first question, no matter what question the patient asks, your first response should be, may I have your name, please? Because the best sound to any individual it's the sound of their own name. So if they say, my name is Mary, then call them Mary. They say, my name is uh, Mrs. Jones, call them Mrs. Jones. And throughout the conversation, we are here to help you. You know, the doctors are really nice. 
they are they're going to make you feel relaxed. There's no reason to be afraid. You have to handle these things during the phone conversation, and that kind of conversation makes them feel comfortable, wanting to come in. And then the doctor and the staff will do their part, and you stay on time. And that's all. It's a very simple thing: stay on time, provide the service, get them better quickly, follow up with them with the phone call. Um, do those things that big companies can't do. And you will just constantly just thrive. You'll have a practice that's flooded with patients. Have you been seeing some patients with uh, telehealth these days? Yes. Uh, So we do a bunch of telemedicine. You know, there's certain things we can do via um, a Zoom call or another service. And, um, there's certain things, you know, it's frustrating because when someone has an infection, what have you, I could assess the situation, but then I have to have them come in. And yes, take certainly. Care of it. Have yeah. you been doing telemedicine prior to the isolation that we've been having? No, I, I have not. I know a few doctors have, and I think it's going to be here f- to stay. But um, again, in, for my field, podiatry it has limited uses. We, we can do a lot of things, but um, we're a lot of. We're basically a hands-on specialty. Sure. Well, a lot of what you said and probably many, many more tips that we would all like to know about can be found in your book that just came out. Could yes. you tell us a little bit more about it and how we could get it? Sure. So you can get on Amazon. It's called The Podiatry Practice Business Solution with a strike through the word practice. And I'll tell you why. Years ago, I had a patient, ended up being my very first personal trainer. And after being a patient of mine for a while, he said to me, you know, Peter, you have a, uh, you have a, you have a solution. You don't have a practice. You, you, you got it right. So I really appreciated it. And then I remembered him saying this as I was writing my book and it's a practice in one way. You're not practicing anymore. There's the solutions in the book, uh, most of it anyway. And, but besides that you have, a couple hats you're wearing, doctor. You are a doctor first, of course, but then you're owning a business. So you need to take pride in that and make it run smoothly. And again, it's part of, I've always wanted to write a book. And um, my good friend, Rem Jackson, was writing a book and told me about this book coach. Her name's Nancy Erickson, the book professor, in case you want to uh, write a book. And it, you know what? It wasn't the right time for me to write a book, but I found out it will never be the right time to write a book. And I was struggling at first to write it, but I made, I'm a very big goal setter. I made a goal to write 500 words a night, five nights a week, and not to go to bed unless, until I write the 500 words. And I did. And then all of a sudden, if you know, before you know it, when I made that, that goal in seven months, I had my book. And so um, it has everything in there from communication with uh, communication systems with your staff, with your patients, how to have incredible wow service, and how to analyze your practice and run your practice through numbers. Because we tend to micromanage, like I said before, but if, you know, the little things, we get annoyed. People on their phone, we don't think they're doing their job, but if you look, at the numbers, each individual in my practice has a uh, graph, and they, they are doing their job. The numbers keep on going up and doing their job. That's really what you care about. 
You don't care about when you're out of the office, there's a little extra chit chat if the production is there. So you don't have to like micromanage all the time. But yeah, so it was, uh, I loved writing it. I, I'm a, I have a minor in journalism in college. At one time, I thought I want to be a sports writer. I'm glad I never became that because there aren't any more newspapers around. If our listeners want to you know, reach you for more tips and advice, what website or URL can they reach you at? So you can go to Peter Wishney, W-I-S-H-N-I-E dot com. You can um, also email me anything, please. It's the easiest way to do that is Peter at toppractices.com. And I'll be more than glad to answer any of your questions that you might have. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's always great to get some tips and to learn something new. We have been listening or speaking with Dr. Peter Wishney, and this is Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.